0: KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play. with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO, now also available on Hubble. Darcy Don Cole, we were out there. We went to Morabin. We did. We went to the spiritual home of the Saints, and we sat down with the spiritual son of St. Kilda. And who's that? Lenny Hayes. How good. The Saint himself. What an incredible experience. Being up there with one of the ones I've probably wanted to do. Well, legitimately one of the ones I've had to do since episode four. And you'll find out all about that. There is a little bit of a standoff about Lenny and myself. Everyone loves Lenny. Mm. Not me. Not you. Well, now I do, but that's not at the time. No, I'm joking. He's an absolute star. If you don't know Lenny Hayes, he's one of the absolute goats. norm Smith St Kilda champion. Literally the favourite son of the Saints. He's a star on the field, off the field, got into his coaching when I did the Giants, had a little um, sabbatical. Yes. Sabbatical from coaching when I did some farming, which was really cool and quite interesting. And then went back to the Saints. Now he's a coach there, coaching the midfield under Ross Lyon, his former coach when he was playing. A little bit of a yeah, favourite son coming home to St Kilda. Um, spoke heaps about you know just him and his story and some of his favourite teammates and little bits of weird knickknacks. What was your favourite part? I loved hearing him talk about his because he's a rugby league. Yeah, originally. yeah, yeah. He got oh, yeah. Without giving it away, but yeah, he. He did, did some did weird shit doesn't he? He did some, some different training, in pre-season. yeah, pre-seasons. Yeah. Um, his training, he was well, well ahead of all this, you know, visualization and stuff as well when he was playing, and um, yeah, just an incredible insight, honestly, into talking about one of the most loved figures in the game. Um, the I Love Lenny T-shirts, he he gives his insight onto how you know his comfortability around that, which was really cool to hear. I think Saints fans will,
1: well, footy fans I think in general fans, love this, yeah. but Saints fans as well will love and it. It is their 150th.
0: It is Dust. It's 150th game coming up against Essendon. Uh, round three, so bloody get your tickets and get down. This is this is a game that if you're ever going get, to get to one, if you're a Saints fan or an AFL fan, celebrating the Saints um, game coming up this weekend against Essendon at Marvel will be one of the great games. So get down there. There's going to be all the club legends, all the activations, heaps of stuff. Um, all around the ground and, yeah, get amongst it. I think we're going to even run a little getaway a, getaway, a little giveaway on Dylan Friends as well. Mm. So make sure you head to our Instagram this week um, and there'll be some tickets for the footy available too. So from the Saints, they got us out there. Um, we've been out there a couple of times now. I feel like they're our second home, really. I love it down there. Go the Saints. Go Marabin, and thanks to Claire. Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This
1: is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Brian. Oh, I'm special. Get comfortable, be uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous, he couldn't swallow water. Hand him a sheet of paper with six names. and said, "She, we've got to cut these six blue. Ow, shut
0: up. I've just been barbed by stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, you oh, saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks, in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs, Lenny, how are you, mate? Yeah, good deal. Oh, oh, it's good to finally have you on the pod.
1: No, thanks for having me, mate. wasn't sure I'd get an invite back after, after the wow. first time.
0: I think we have to address it off oh, the car. I think we do, mate. You need to clear <laughs> the air. Like, you know how they say everyone loves Lenny? Not me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one that – I was the only one who wasn't wearing those T-shirts for a long time. Yeah, there's,
1: there's a bit of history there, isn't there? <laughs> Just
0: joking. But hey, back we were mates, obviously, we were mates. We, when you were coaching out at the Giants, you yeah. were doing some great, uh, we, what were you coaching then, your assistant? Yeah, I obviously had a big impact, you didn't yeah, know I was
1: coaching, but no, I was coaching <laughs> the mids. I was in the kneefield, <laughs> so I wasn't really having,
0: I didn't really have too much to do with you, I was just admiring from afar, um, and didn't ever get in the midfield either, but you were coaching um, the mids in the, uh, the need, in the AFL, and that was when we met, fell in love with you even more, and that was when I started the podcast, Dylan friends and yes. I think I was at the studio, at the studio at the Giants one day, and I was like, fuck, I was three episodes in, I was like, geez, how good would it be? to land the greatest, if not the most loved man of all time that will take us (laughs) to the next rocket. I walk up all my courage in the world to go up and ask Lenny Hayes to come on the podcast.
1: I don't have many regrets, but that's one of them. (laughs) That's one of them, but I did. Yeah, I did feel bad that I did. I did shut it down, and and the reason behind it was I'd been asked a few times previously, mm, and mm. I think the problem with podcasts is there's people all everyone's doing them, yeah. but not many are doing them well, mate. Yeah. Which is what you're doing, so oh, I appreciate. But that. here we are. So I did get invited back. I've been four waiting years. for yeah. I've been waiting four years, but I'm finally back. So thank you know thank you.
0: I'm so happy that I waited those four years because I think now I'm in a better position to be doing the chat. So I think that it's given me that you know sometimes when you. Have a setback early. It's a test of your character to keep going, it keep is, pushing, and, and keep going. Which is uh, which is your story all too well. Hey, um, speaking of you, you finished up with the Giants a couple of years back. Yep. This is always it always rattled me, and I had no idea. Like, cause I always just saw you continuing your career because you were so good in footy and coaching. And then you just said, "No, I'm going to give it a bit of a break," and you went and lived in the Blue Mountains.
1: Yeah, yeah. What was mate, that? It, that was it, was, awesome. it was probably the hub, mate. To yeah, be really. Yeah. The hub did some strange things to people, but I think like if I look back, like when. It was it was that year, I think it was twenty twenty. So that year when sort of COVID all happened and, and the whole industry just shut down. And I think for those eight weeks, you know, it was a chance, you know, for me and we weren't really able to do anything, weren't able to go to the club, you know, there was no games, there was nothing. So it was just me just with the family and just and I'm like sitting back and didn't have that day-to-day pressure of, of the grind of footy and I'd been going pretty hard for about five years so it was probably that initial period I was like well where do I see myself like in five or ten years is it still doing what I'm doing now or is it an opportunity to maybe try something else so it sort of stemmed from there I'd always you know loved the idea of owning a bit of land and and especially with some young young kids and, and two boys you know thought that uh you know why not have a have a look at doing something else so probably all snowball from there mm-hmm. mate i think pre going into the hub my wife and i went for a drive up to the blue mountains and there's a couple of farms that were for sale and we just had a look out of interest now my my wife from melbourne she's a city girl <laughs> and i grew up in sydney so not a lot of country to me either but um, we had a look at this property and just driving driving back home i said oh, what what'd you think and she's like oh actually really liked it and it was, I wasn't the answer I was expecting. So in my head, I'm like, okay, that's a little win there. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we, we went to the hub and over in the hub, one of the properties that we had looked at was up for sale and sort of rang my wife and said, look, what do you think? Like I don't think we can do both. I don't think we can be doing the coaching and then mm. have this as well. And she's like, well, let's do it. So we ended up sort of buying it while I was in the hub, sort of told the Giants at the time that, and I'd sort of flagged it with Leon prior to that as well that, you know, perhaps that I might be stepping away and, and that's a decision we made. So yeah, lived out there for two years, had had um, an absolute ball, mate. And, um, you know, trying something totally different. You know, we had you know, cattle, I worked on another property around the corner as well. So oh. doing almost an apprenticeship in farming. And for someone who's come from my background, it was um, yeah very different, um, but yeah, loved it, mate. Kids loved it, but then, you know, things happen wife got pregnant she missed home missed melbourne it um coincided with an opportunity here at the saints and and here we are
0: how important was that for you to do something different like your whole life you'd probably been in footy coaching yeah. playing like i know when i left very different careers mind you but it was really important for me to like know that i could stand on my own two feet without something
1: yeah no it's a really good point mate yeah because you know and i think when you're in the afl system it's it's very regimented and it's very structured, and and that that's a good thing, you know, for a lot of the time. But I think I, I got to a point with my coaching, and and with a young family too. That was around the decision as well. It's, you know, and and probably COVID <laughs> made me think about a lot of things and where I was at. And <clears throat> the the one thing I found. It can be a little bit of a grind when you're in that 24-7, that that footy stuff, is that you do miss out on things, you know, and I had young kids and it's a real balance and you've got to get it right. And I don't think I did get it right. I think I was probably my own worst enemy in a lot of ways that, you know, I was just so focused and so driven that... All of a sudden you're like, well, three or four years have gone. My you know, my eldest has started school and I'm like, you know, where was I some of that time? So I didn't want to get to, you know, the end he turns 18 and and I've been in footy the whole time. So Mm. that that was definitely part of the decision as well, as as was trying something else. And I think when you try something else and something you haven't done before, and you would have learned this probably with doing your podcast and your media career, it's it can be daunting but so exciting at the same time and so rewarding when you try something new and You land on your feet and you're learning all the time. It's it's pretty rewarding for sure.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. I think it's super important to to challenge those things all the time. Like that uncomfortableness. Like you're not growing unless you're uncomfortable, really. Which footy does teach you, but you can you can also get in other aspects, no matter how big or small. Coming back to the Saints, obviously there's a love there, which we'll talk about a lot today. You're obviously a universally loved player. Everyone does love Lenny. Like I've never met anyone besides that sort of three year period that we had. Yeah, and your wife, and that three (laughs) year period that we sort of fell out. (laughs) After <laughs> with the <laughs> podcaster, that was one hit situation. Have you found it like challenging to be that? Per- like, you know, you're it's not the question, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, I probably haven't been asked that a lot, but it, it was something that I did find it challenging, and I, I must admit, towards the end of my career and the whole t shirt and I love Lenny thing it didn't sit well with me at all because I, I just see myself as you know just a normal bloke I make plenty of mistakes like you know you ask my wife you know, half the time she hates me yeah. so she's like you've got everyone bluffed you yeah. know like yeah. this is an absolute joke like they don't know the real you so sometimes when you get built up to be something it's like at, at times you feel like you have to live up to that and sometimes that's a bit of pressure. So I think the move to Sydney also and, and being involved with the Giants, I really enjoyed that side of, you know, I used to get down the street in my Giants gear and everyone's like, oh, you're from some basketball team, like who are you guys sort of thing. So that, that stuff compared to what you get in Melbourne was good. But I think, I think coming back now and having been out of the game for long enough, you know, now it's you know it's about the current current mm. players and and you don't quite get that that spotlight as much. Mm.
0: We'll talk about like the, your playing grew with the Saints, I suppose, in a bit. But coming back to the Saints now as a coach was that like sort of something you always had planned? Not not planned, but was there like a romanticness about coming back? And especially even with like Ross now. Um, as well being the coach and one of your former coaches like how was that how did that sit was it just for children's
1: timing a little bit timing mate like I, I, when I when I did finish my career I did have an offer to stay at the Saints but I felt like I probably needed to go elsewhere just to learn different system and probably develop my own identity as a coach yeah if, if you sort of went back sort of 12 months like probably coaching wasn't really on the radar I was sort of quite happy doing what we're doing in the Blue Mountains I was doing a little bit of radio at the Swans and Giants games and really enjoying that um, but then I, I did get a phone call and it was around the fact that Ben McGlynn who was previously midfield coach was was moving back to where he was from so there could have been could have been an opening there so that probably started the thinking again and then moving back to Melbourne so it does feel really good I must admit like coming back um, to Moorabbin and, and being back involved with the Saints and and this current group, and, and trying to help them in in some small way, yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome.
0: What does the Footy Club mean to you? I, I know that's a very broad question, and it's it's a tough one to answer. Yeah. But it's a 150 year celebration this uh, round three against the Dons. Yeah, it's 150 years of the club. You've been a massive part of it. What like on reflection now, I know that's a it's a number, it's a thing. You're you know you're a jumper number of seven, like you're a servant of the club. But what does it mean? I suppose for you and the wider sense of St Kilda this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a huge week for the club this week. Like, you know, going into round three and 150th year. And I think when I first got drafted, the club I didn't know a lot about the club. To be honest, you know, I grew up in Sydney, followed the Swans, but I think as soon as you set foot through the door, um, you know, you start to learn about the culture and the past players. And you know, Ken Whiffin was the head trainer here. He was the runner in the '66 premiership. So you start learning about what has made this club tick and you know, if you look back at the history of the club, there's been so many, you know, it's been a bit of a rollercoaster. There's mm. been so many ups and downs over the years. But the one thing that keeps ringing true is just the resilience of all the people involved and and how much care and love that people have for this place. And there's a reason why, and that's because of all the people that have, you know, passed through and built that that strong identity and culture and it's a little bit working class. You know, people can resonate and, and come and escape from their weekly lives and barrack for the Saints and and get some enjoyment out of that so it's um yeah it's been a massive part of my life um, and I've, I've just met some incredible people through my time here and and nothing would make me and you know Ross and and halves and BJ and those guys that have been here before happier than to see this place succeed and and that's what we're here to do
0: how old do you see the boys this year I know it's it's only early at the moment but a yeah. good first up win you got a big game this weekend as well yep. What's what's different about the group?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been interesting because you're sort of coming in a little bit blind, and because a lot of the coaching staffs changed. Mm. But the guys that have been here, in, in Corey Enright and Damian Carroll and Jake Bachelor and a few of these guys, have given really good intel. and And I think really for the players, it's been like a fresh start. It's almost been like a new club for a lot of those guys. That and you probably know as well as anyone, mate, that like. If you've had a few injuries or you've been earmarked in a certain way that when someone else comes in and it just goes, okay, well, the past is the past. Let's just focus on what we can do now. Mm. It can be, you know, revitalizing in a lot of ways. So, the group, the group are great, mate. They just they want to learn. They're they're really buying into the message from Ross. And you know, we we got a lot of work to do. But I think when you got the application and you know the strong leadership that the boys are showing, then I just think anything's possible.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Anything can happen. I think that Collingwood thing of last year, like seeing them go from bottom of the ladder to anything, every club now is just licking their lips, which is yeah, exciting. Spot on, um, mate. Let's talk about you going up New South Wales. I know that it's quite well known, but like, was it a rugby, you played rugby, how did you actually get into footy from, how yeah. did it all happened. Like, cause it wasn't yeah. really a massive thing.
1: No, it's not massive. I was, I was laughing with one of the boys today and we we're talking about rugby league and they don't really watch. And I'm like, that's sort of all we used to watch like growing up at school was, you know, touch footy at lunchtime yeah. wasn't kick to kick and all of that. So well, I did have the influence on like my dad was from Melbourne. So he met mum overseas, um, they settled in Sydney. So that that influence was there from daddy Was a big North Melbourne supporter. But like growing up, my school, there was like two to three guys at my whole school that played AFL. So it was really – it was two sort of separate almost lives, if you like. It was my footy AFL mates who I'd only see one night a week and weekends and then it was sort of schoolmates playing rugby and, and all the rest. So, yeah, it, it, it was good. I think, you know, growing up, like there wasn't a real avenue to get to the AFL yeah. but I, I think timing was everything. And when I was sort of 15, New South Wales put a team in the TAC Cup and it's sort of, you know, if it wasn't for that, I don't think any of us, you know, guys like Mark McVeigh, Craig Bolton, Craig, Nick Davis yeah. wouldn't have had that exposure. So, yeah, lucky in a sense that uh, that came along and, yeah, we, a few of us got drafted.
0: It's, like, it's hard to even think of a draft as sort of successful of that from New South Wales since, and that was one of the first ones. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think we had six in the end. Like it was the third year of the Rams. I think the first year ever they got six drafted, but um, I think only a couple of them sort of went on and played yeah quite a few games so yeah we it, you know again it's just that that timing and i think i don't think they've had one as successful since
0: unbelievable what do you remember pick 11 come down to the saints yeah did you want to come here were you keen to get out of out of sydney like what was the
1: uh, i probably would memories? have yeah i probably would have liked to have stayed in sydney to be honest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Vastens had three picks inside the top 10 and didn't pick me so um, did they, who did they pick? Uh, well, they picked some pretty good players. Yeah. Apart from Ryan Fitzgerald, he was shit. Um, <laughs> but it I was funny. I used to see him at junior footy in Sydney. And we used to have a bit of a laugh about it. Um, and he was like, oh, I can't believe they picked me over you." That I don't think stuff, that's as well known as it should be.
0: He's probably well, trying to bury it. Yeah. <laughs> so that year they picked Fitzy. Yeah,
1: Fitzy, um, Nick Fosdyke, who premiership yep. player, Jude Bolton, premiership player, yep. 330 games. Yep. So they, they didn't miss. So I think there's
0: a few people there, um, mate. But,
1: yeah, it was funny, mate, draft <laughs> like I was actually pretty hungover it was um (laughs) one of our one of our good mates like Ray Hall who went to Richmond it was his 18th the night before so we're a really tight group because a lot of us we we ended up living in Canberra and I moved there when I was 17 live with the host family to play with the Rams and we're a really really tight group and probably why we're pretty successful on field but yeah we had an 18th night before so we've all rocked (laughs) up channel 7 studios the next day (laughs) All of us just sitting around, you know, just hung over and, yeah, name, name was picked. You know, I think we had probably two beers is all we could muster after the night before to celebrate. And then within a week I was back to Sydney, packed up the stuff and then down to Melbourne. So it all sort of happened pretty quickly. I had no idea the Saints were going to pick me up. No either. idea. No. Did you
0: know like because back then probably drafts and that wasn't as talent like as no, it wasn't. phantoms or anything. So did you know you were going to go that high? Like- no, nah,
1: look, I, the only call I had was from Port Adelaide um, saying that they might have picked me up around that area. But oh, yeah. honestly, after the draft camp and the interview with Mark Williams, I thought there's no way Port Adelaide's picking me. Really? What did he say? Oh, he, he sort of – and he, he tended to do, like, test, test yeah, guys a little bit. Shit. Yeah, yeah. So, Oh, a bit embarrassed about this. But he, he, he sort of – he came in and he'd just taken over as coach. Yeah. And, like, I've grown up in Sydney and the only guys I really know are, like, current players or, you know, Swans players. Yeah. So the first thing he said was, like, G'day, Lenny. Yeah, Mark Williams. Like, what do you know about me? And I was like, oh, No. Of all the things you could ask me, this is not a good first question. And you had no idea who he the, was. I, I had no idea about his background yeah. and how good a player he'd been and captain mm. and, you know, premiership player and from probably the most famous family in, in Adelaide. Um, and the only thing I could come up with is like, oh, mate, to be honest, the only thing I know is you've just taken up as coach of Port. <laughs> and in my head I'm like, we may as well finish now. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later.
0: Unbelievable. So you get to the Saints. What's the, your your first memories of getting here? Because it was, Moorabbin wasn't as looking like it, it is now, which is like as, this as beautiful, yeah. um, beautiful place. We're really lucky to be here today. Thanks to Claire, shout out. She's a goat. <laughs> Um How, yeah, how was it? Who was around? Like yeah. what were your players that you were surrounded? And where was the club at that time? Well, the club,
1: the club, so I got drafted into uh, 98. So they just bombed, They yeah, played in the grand final 97, mm-hmm. eliminated from memory maybe, Straight sets in 98. So it still had a really good team. Um, so they're they still thereabouts with some great players like Lowe, Harvey, Burke, you know, legends of the club. But I remember walking through the door and, and sort of to get up to the offices and to meet. So John Beveridge escorted me in, recruiting manager. We we're going to go upstairs to, to meet the coach and stuff. But, and then you had to go through the gym, and, and Jason Cripps was on the bench. And it must have been like they we hadn't started preseason yet and he, he's pushing out like 130 kgs on the mm. bench and I could hardly do one chin up and I'm just like, I'm in the wrong place here. Like it was so intimidating and he's come over and like shook my hand, almost broke it and I'm like, oh you know, these are the guys that I'm now sort of calling teammates and, you know, going to be competing against. So it was a, yeah, it was it was a strange feeling. It was a pretty daunting, overwhelming feeling. Um, but the club, the club were brilliant. I, the other thing I do remember from that day is John Beveridge took us on a bit of a, I think he used to do all the cruise, take him for a bit of a drive around, down to the beach, like up south road, east give you a bit of a but it was pissing rain and I couldn't see anything. So I'm like, this is just a waste <laughs> of time. I just sat in the car for ten hours driving down from Sydney and no I did didn't, around did, didn't you have the heart to tell rabbit. Johnny. But um Um
0: the when you're talking before about Jason and you, know, you meet like your teammates for the first time. I, I'm intrigued like your mentality. Like you see a lot of young men come through footy clubs now and, and how they present themselves in that first sort of time. Like first yeah. impressions do last. Like yep. you, know, you can definitely change them and you want to make a good impact. Like what was your memories of how you were going into those sessions? Like yeah, it doesn't strike. Like I, I feel like you would have been ready to compete and you wanted to be here. Like was that how you sort of felt? Yeah, like, what yeah was I
1: was. It? Like I, I think I had – I had self-doubt but I think deep down I always probably had like this inner confidence that, you know, that I I could adapt to the level if that makes sense. So I, like I remember even sort of playing rep footy growing up, like you'd get there and then if you could adapt to that speed and that level then I, I felt like I was okay. So I felt like at some point I'd, I'd find that at AFL level as well. Mm. Not to say like it, it wasn't daunting but I, I did get some great advice. Like Stewie Lowe said, mate, if you're – he obviously, recognised that I was a midfielder through through under 18s and that. He goes, If you want to learn how to make it AFL, just watch number 35 train Robert Harvey. Mm-hmm. And that was great advice. You know, I don't, I don't think I said much for the probably the first six months. I was just like, Get in, train hard, try and earn a bit of respect that way, which is probably a little bit different now. Um, but yeah, that was great advice because he was just an animal, halves. And, you know, just just watching the way that he went about it, oh, I just picked up so much. You know, he probably got a bit sick of me just sort of following him around everywhere mm. and at training, trying to run with him and things like that. But he was just a great role model. What What did you learn from him? What was the What were the big things? Oh, just just like, I just felt like everyone's got a level, and you think you work hard, but until you see someone who pushes themselves to absolute exhaustion, like I remember. <clears throat> it might have even been a, a practice game out at Waverley. It might have been against Richmond, but I remember hearing someone and just the breathing it's like it's like they were having an asthma attack and mm-hmm. but it was just halves just and he just glided past me and it was just it's just that gut run you're like you know he sounded like he was just almost at complete exhaustion. It was probably halfway through the second quarter and then he'd get to the next stoppage, bend over, Deep breaths, but then he had just that ability to go again, and that wasn't by chance, wasn't by fluke. It's because he'd done the work, and that's that's how he trained himself every session, whether it was boxing, whether it was on the bike. Mm. So in the end, that just became automatic. That just became his normal. But you know, I think when the good players that I've seen, if they've got that. And they've got a bit of natural ability. That's when I think you see champions. And I think Harvey and Nick Rewalt probably the two standouts with that stuff. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: I remember as a junior, there was always, or like even as a uh, as a player, there was always that thing about like put your hands on your hips. Yeah. And you know, everyone would be like, put take your hands off your hips. But it was like nearly Robert Harvey's like favorite thing to do. It It was like put your hands on your hips. People would think that he's tired, but then he just keep
1: going. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's another team. Someone was telling me the other day that they've actually, you know, everything they do They've adapted on, that and, now, don't they? Well, and they've actually proven that it can somehow open well, up your lungs. So. Do you know what
0: I'm say? There's a lot of <laughs> shit that goes on in footy clubs. So that thing when people said, "Put get your hands off your hips. Yeah.
1: I was always like, what? why are we doing that? Mate, we're recovering. Should. Imagine if you were playing now. I, I, I fucking hated it. You, well, I was like, why? What? Like... We're actually trying to recover quicker than yeah, something. Yeah. We've
0: actually got to put our hands on our hips. Like that's – I'm see, feeling better.
1: I reckon if you were drafted to draft now, mate, you'd play 250 games. 200, fucking at 300. Least, at least. Well, give me
0: 300 at least. <laughs> yeah, with that, with that, 100%. Maybe if I had a you know, midfield coach at the club that wanted to help me as <laughs> well, it could have been different. I could have been a gun wingman like Robert Harvey. Um, no, it's, you're 100% right though. Those those players that can gut run is huge. Quick, quick bend off topic while we're on that talking about like Rewalt and – Harvey and plays like this, on the flip side of being a coach, who's some players that you've admired the way they've gone about it? If they're at that level or, you know, different mm. parts of their games, you don't, know, fuck, I would have loved to have played with this guy and the way they, yeah. they, they work. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play. both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of guys like some of your ex-teammates of yeah. the Giants, you know, like you look at a guy like Toby and, you know, just his competitiveness, you know, I know you're you're close to him and, um, and you, you've seen him up close as well. I mm. think sometimes those guys that aren't playing for a Melbourne team can sometimes get overlooked. But I just think, you know, he's an absolute star. And, you know, a number of, number of guys I was lucky to coach at the Giants in, in that in that midfield, um, you know, guys like Hopper and, and Kelly and, and those sort of guys like Canelio. So I was, I was really lucky. And, you know, you, you look here and I, I see similar traits in, in the guys that we've got, like guys like, you know, Jack Steele, who, you know, I, I was able to coach for a year at the Giants, but now seeing him up close you know, Seb Ross. Um, Jack was,
0: Steele, so I want to – seeing him at the Giants and then what is it, the Saints? Is it the same player or is it just yeah. wasn't the opportunity there? Because um, like, no, there's the, been a lot of improvement, hasn't there? Yeah, there, there, there well? has
1: been. There has been. But, you know, it's like sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's opportunity, sometimes yeah. it's a bit of a fresh start. I think I always saw um, the ability in Jack to be able to produce what he's doing now. But, you know, he was only sort of 19 when I saw him at the Giants. But he had those traits, incredibly tough. He could go forward and catch it. He probably played forward a little bit more. But just the competitiveness, the desire, you Mm. know, to compete um, and just some of his stuff in tight, you know, was there from the start. So it hasn't shocked me that he's become the player that he is.
0: Um, Back to you. Talk us through your first game, cleaned up. By Glenn Archer, yeah. Was it a good welcome to footy? Like in a way, you just get like it. It, oh, it seemed like it went on trend. I could probably
1: pick other ways <laughs> to, to be welcome to footy. Maybe kicking a goal with your first kick, or <laughs> yeah. you know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah, i had a shocker, mate. Like my first, I think, like that was back in the day when you know you'd come off
0: like a minute or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you so, start on the bench for oh mate, it was something.
1: Yeah. So like, <laughs> so I get I get on like one minute before half time. <laughs> I got the ball, rolled onto my left, kicked it. It went out of full, It landed in the trainer's lap. (laughs) So so I go into halftime going, I'm going well here, (laughs) right at home at AFL footy. (laughs) And then I played a bit more the second half. And then, yeah, that was, it was a, it was a close game and and a a bit of the history behind it. Like it was, Kangaroos played a home game in Sydney, which was pretty random. Mm. And so that was my first game. Part of me was thinking the club did that so they didn't have to fly my folks anywhere and my family, <laughs> save a bit of cash. Oh, we're in Sydney. Let's give Lenny his first game. Yeah. Um, but I had a heap of mates there and family. And, yeah, it was, it was a moment, like, last quarter tight game, very close. Tip along the boundary, you know, tap the ball out in front and then just whack. Like he just got me, like, straight, straight up and down and just knocked the wind out of me. You got straight back up. Um, yeah, I did. But then like as soon as I got up, you know, you get winded and just you can't it starts, breathe. Yeah, you, yeah. You're done here. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. So the coach, like I, I think I was trying to push the train away. I stayed on for about a minute. Then he took me off. Um, we lost by a point. So yeah, it wasn't a, wasn't a great first game.
0: What period did you feel into your career you found that you were like, no, nah, I'm at the level or was it always?
1: No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't, mate. It was, um, it was probably like. I reckon it was about my fourth year like yeah. I, like the first couple of years like I'd played you know a fair bit of half forward um you know and I was, I was just up and down inconsistent and sort of we, we had a pretty settled midfield at that time and I think when I look back like it it wasn't the fact that I didn't have the opportunity I just don't think I was a elite professional athlete until probably my fourth year I had an injury in my third year where I missed half the half the season and had a shoulder up and I think it was at that point I was like where am I at like Mm. if I keep going the way I'm going like in another year or two I could be out because I was just you know so inconsistent up and down I I felt like I felt like I had the ability but I just hadn't been able to convert so that was probably a penny drop moment really missing time and then going well nah let's let's start really preparing I thought I was pretty good but I wasn't to the level I probably needed to be Did you
0: realise that yourself or was there someone that told you or was
1: um uh, I remember having a conversation with my brother-in-law actually. I was back in Sydney and he's he's never won to mince words, which is something I love about him. And we're having a beer and he's like, mate, like, you know, when are you gonna when are you gonna start dominating? Like, you know, like you every level you've been at, you've been a very good player, but mate, like, what are you doing? And I was like, fuck, he's probably right. You know, like and then it was it was a bit of self-assessment after that and um and a little bit of feedback. Grant Thomas actually took over as the coach sort of halfway through that season and and he put a bit of time into me and, and gave me a bit of confidence and said, "Mate, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a good player. We're going to play in midfield." So that vote of confidence, but also that self reflection piece, which was brought on probably by my brother in law, sort of helped kickstart me. I reckon.
0: What did you do? Like, what was the the plan from it? Like, what yeah, did
1: you- I just, I just like, I reckon I took my took my training to another level, but I also did a fair bit. Like, I reckon I prepared as well as I had in the off season. And like, you know, and I still loved having a beer and that's that's something that i enjoyed getting around my teammates. But if ever I did, I'd get up the next morning and go for a run and that's something I hadn't done before. It's only a little thing, but it was a mindset thing that, you know, you, you're not going to – you've got to earn that that right to, you know, enjoy yourself, but then let's get kicked back into gear. So that, that was a big thing for me. And I also actually started playing, funnily enough, a bit of touch footy. I, I was going for a run around a, a park in East Bentley, and there's guys playing touch rugby, and I just hadn't seen it much down here. And because I used to play a fair bit yeah. at school, I just sort of eased my way down and. And there was a Saints supporter playing. He's like, Lenny, like, you know, you don't have a game. And I just started just having a muck around. And then they're like, well, we play on Sundays in a comp. Do you want to come down? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I just joined this touch footy team. It's off-season? Off-season. Yeah. And um, it was amazing. So I used to do – and uh, the fitness coach I got on my side at the time because he was an ex-rugby player from Wales – So to think like you just wouldn't be able to do it now, but I was doing pre-season and then Wednesday nights I'd go down and train with them and then on Sundays – Train with the rugby? Train with the touch rugby. It's just a social thing, but it was like up and back, you know, and it was was good for, you you know, your vision, your hands, but also the way you defend, things like that. And it was just another way to like a fitness thing for me really. And then I'd I'd play in comp on a Sunday while I was, you know, an AFL player here. And I reckon – I reckon doing that and a few of those other things off field that I tied it up, I ended up sort of having my best year. I think, I, yeah, sort of, yeah, d- did pretty well.
0: So a precursor for coming on the show was that I bring up the sidesteps. Okay. That you, no, that, that's what you said.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I'm glad you got in there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: did, well. did that. Do you reckon that actually had anything to – was that obviously it was a, a skill, but would the rugby have had anything to do I with that? I think so,
1: yeah. And the fact that I was a slow slow as all hell too. Yeah. Like because I – you know, I was never quick. So – but at school, yeah, like I didn't have the pace to get away, unlike yourself.
0: So you are selling the candy.
1: So I had to sell candy. Had to. That's Otherwise, I really,
0: that's I'd, so interesting. Like imagine a player trying to do that these, these days. Yeah. With,
1: doing you know, something outside yeah, of it. Oh, you, yeah. get, you get hammered.
0: But that's why like – the best guys just do it, and they don't really ask for the permission to do it. I think it's a yeah. it's interesting. We see a lot of guys now actually too doing a lot of like jiu jitsu and all this sort of stuff too, which yeah. is different. Well, but a
1: lot of the guys are going over to America now, and they're doing their different sort of training camps yeah. and things like that. And I think yeah, it was probably my way of looking for a bit of an edge, and the fact that I enjoyed playing the game as well was it's funny though. Like I, fun. I, I
0: doubt you would have told your teammates and stuff you were doing it at the time. Or was it just your own? Nah,
1: like Stevie Bacon knew because yeah. he's like well, every Sunday morning, like you're taking off yeah. like at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd come home and have to wash lot like, of top and he's like what have you been doing I don't think it was until the end of the season that he that realised because oh, Bakes you know,
0: that's hilarious. That's
1: Bakes but I think the the one we, we ended up playing in a grand final I had to ask our fitness coach if I couldn't do recovery with the team because you let, he touch let rugby. me go and play that's unbelievable so it was pretty cool
0: he's <laughs> so good um, when you know, being a coach now and, and being in the AFL system now there's a lot there's so much emphasis focused on like the mental well-being of players the um, the mental edge that you can get whether that's mindfulness or like visualization um, belief in yourself all these bits and pieces was that something that you did as a player or you knew that you were even doing but in some way you look back now and go fuck I was actually doing that without even noticing
1: yeah no, it's a really good point mate because it's huge it's mm. huge now and we do a lot of it here and I, I think I probably was doing it without it being too structured or formal Um, but I, I used to have you know a notepad that i'd have at home and like the night before a game i'd just sit down for 10 to 15 minutes and i would just i just write out you know what i was good at and my role for the next day and mm. um it was probably just that confirmation and that visualization of you know writing it down reading it you know the next day i'd go for like a 10 to 15 minute walk um and again i'd listen to a bit of music but i'd be visualizing a you know, stoppage setups you know what the grass smelled like all that sort of stuff so mm. It probably wasn't as formal as what the players do now, but I think, yeah, that was definitely something that I think helped me. Because the times where, you know, I remember rocking up to some games and you're like, I'm not switched on here. You know, like I, I could play well, I might not play well, but that, that became part of my prep and that was just something that I'd, I'd, I'd tick off each week. And more often than not, you'd sort of get a decent enough result and you yeah. didn't have that fluctuation. Did you get taught that or were you just like nah, just was, doing it? Yeah. No, nah, like, again, Harves was pretty big on it. I yeah, know right. Rui was huge on it as well. Yeah. And like later in our career we had a guy, Sean Richardson, who, oh, who's yeah. now actually back at the club. And Sean was up at the Giants yeah. for, just for a year or so. Um, but he was a big influence as well. And and I think now with the players, like they're so – limited in what they can do like on the field now like in terms of you know their training sessions they've got the gps in they can only do a certain amount of k's but what they can do a lot of is those mental reps yeah and visualizations so yeah we push our guys do a lot of it
0: it's huge talking about the really successful time of as a saint as a player um you know i still look back now and look at that team and i think it was when I was probably at my biggest like peak of love of footy, you know, like coming into that 17, 18, getting like drafted yeah. and watching those games. I went to both – all three of the grand finals. What was that time like for you as a player?
1: Oh, it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was like, you know, when I when I think back like – and uh, because it happened sort of later in my career. Like I reckon when I came in, we were pretty good. Then we lulled yeah. and we were shit <laughs> for, for a fair while. But we got some great players in and then we were able to build back up again. So – um, yeah it was just just awesome mate like it's just when you're when you're part of a side like that when the trust is so high and that you just look around and you're like if we're if we're on today like the Oppo are gonna find it very hard to beat us it was just it's an awesome feeling and I think over my 15 16 year career probably only had that for four or five years you know what I mean mm. um so yeah it was it was awesome like I think 09 like we lost you know we won I think it was 19 in a row and then we lost two games by. Like one point and ten points, and then we lost the granny by a kick on the side and twelve points. So, lost three games for the year by a total of probably thirty points. But unfortunately, yeah. the game that you need to win is the is the grand final, I and mean, mm. we weren't able to get over line.
0: Who who were some of those? Like, you know, there's a a, f- a former coach of mine who always said this question: like the start of your career, you want to be someone that someone says let's go to war with. You know, like those teammates are just going yeah. fuck. Not about you don't like them, it's just more like I love this, this guy the way they go about it. Now, I know you'd be yeah. picked in that out of all your teammates, but who's someone that you loved playing with? Like who are your top three sort of players at that, in that era where you were just like, I just fucking loved running out with these guys, knowing what they were going to bring.
1: Yeah. Like one one that stands out straight away is Stevie Baker. Mm. He was just like – he was – yeah, he was a machine. Like, so
0: cool. I love Stevie Baker. Yeah, <laughs>
1: he's, he's a legend, mate. Like, and, you know, I know he's a big fan of what you do, but like he – he was like a scallywag mate like I remember I remember doing a <laughs> he was just like a an elite local yes. legend
0: but just played in the AFL and, and was, mate, was a he gun. was
1: so mentally tough yeah. like I remember doing a beep test at the start of a pre-season one year and I'd done the whole program and he'd done none of it and he'd been smashing beers going out having a great time <laughs> and then we get to the beep test and he just he just his mindset was, I'm just gonna hang off Lenny's shoulder here and I'm not gonna give up until he gives up. And he like we got up to like level 14 and I I stopped and he just did one more and then he just collapsed on the ground. And I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? Because you have done nothing. But that's he was just so mentally strong. And like I, I the amount of times that he would just put opponents to sleep, you know, mm. he'd just wear them like a glove. Occasionally he'd step over the yeah. line, you know, as Stevie, <laughs> Stevie J knows. Um but yeah, just his ability to dig in and, and do what was needed for the team. How important are those players though, for oh, a club? Oh, so like, important, so yeah. important. You need you look at all the best teams and all the premiership teams, they've got a number of them. Mm-hmm. Just those guys that you know they just get it done each week and with a lot without a lot of fuss.
0: Have you got any other on maybe keep the off field ones for another chat? But on field <laughs> stories about Stevie Baker that you love?
1: Um, oh, there's a couple of good ones. Like you know he used to be in a assigned roles you know each week and like he wasn't great with knowing players from other teams. <laughs> If there's a level of like footy nut to just have no idea, he was below no idea. So you like know, he'd like, be tagging someone but not even know no, who they were. No, he would have to ask me like which one's Daniel Cross or which one's – and there was one day he had tagged – I think it was it – was had tagged Matthew Boyd and he went out to a stoppage and he's standing next to Daniel Cross. So I'm like, mate, no, no, the other one. Yeah. What, roll over. <laughs> the next guy's like, oh, oh, yeah. So like he was just very funny like that. He just he, – he didn't know but then – and and you know the coaches sort of knew that's mm. what they were getting with Bakes and and you need guys like that who who push the limits you know and a scallywags yeah. but then they, they get it done.
0: I loved. It. I just loved watching him play. I loved like his socks. I don't know if he cut them, but he'd always roll them all the way, all the way down, down, all the way down. Sort of had that pigeon yeah. chest when
1: he'd run as well. Yeah,
0: yeah he's very <laughs> um Anyone else?
1: Um, oh, mate. There's yeah. There's, there's a number of guys. Like I think back to that sire. Like. Guys like Andrew McWalter who probably never got a lot of kudos. Yeah. But, you know, him, him and Robert Eddy played a massive role for us in those high-pressure forwards who yeah. could just run all day, would play their role. You know, when when Oppo mids would get on the outside of me and Dal and BJ, they're the ones that were hitting in. Um, so there's a number of guys probably across every line, you know, like like Jimmy Gwilt's another one who was probably unheralded but did a number of massive roles. Um so yeah, we were lucky. We had a lot of lot of those guys.
0: It's it's a hard one because obviously it was a draw and you didn't get the result you wanted. But to win a Norm Smith in a drawn grand final at the biggest stage, tightest game, it must be something that you're still proud of to, to, yeah. to, to deliver on the big stage.
1: It's a funny one, mate. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I guess so. Like if you, are you know, all you want to do is you know you play your role and you just you just want to win. So there's part of that that you know. I, it sort of brings up a, you know, a few memories too of what mm. could have been such a great day for the club and, and my teammates. So there's part of it where I, you know, I don't really celebrate it. It's just that it's at home, tucked away mm. somewhere. And um, you know, ideally, it would have been nice to be, you know, celebrating something else that day. So it's a funny one. Like I, and people have asked, and like I understand the history of it and all, all that sort of stuff. But on the day, I, I didn't really give a stuff to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, the, the focus was sort of. Getting prepared for next week, really. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, you know, we, we got smacked the next mm. week. Is
0: there any, I know it's bad going back now and overlooking at things, but is there anything you look back now as a team you think going to that next week, or was it just the fact that yeah, they like, prepared better?
1: I, I, I think we spent probably everything, mate, that, yeah, that first, that week. first and, week. And really, they should have been more in front at half time. They missed a few easy shots but the momentum really did shift that second half and we felt like towards the end of the game we're all over and we just mm. couldn't we just couldn't get it over you know bj took that massive mark huge and he's still filthy because he's like if we won there would have been a bronze statue of him <laughs> so he still brings that at up cathedral. quite regularly yeah, <laughs> yeah <at> cathedral <laughs> one there and one here probably um so yeah the. Uh, I don't, I don't think, like people talked about Collingwood going to their function and us not going and things like that, but we just went into full recovery mode yep. because we, we felt like we had a few guys that were a bit banged up, um, but on, on the level of how the two sides went that year, they, they probably had the better year and probably just had the edge and I think we saw that the second week.
0: Mm. Did you ever think about leaving the Saints? No, no,
1: the only time that I, there was an offer from the Giants towards the end of my career as they were um, coming into the competition. Anyway. And that was probably the only only time. Like I'd always sign contracts probably halfway through and never really stretched it out. I always felt the club were pretty reasonable with me. And, you know, we, we used to speak about, you know, like not, not pushing out and taking overs because that meant that someone would get squeezed out at the other end and we were trying to keep everyone together. And you look at the good team. I think Geelong's done an amazing job at doing that. And the good teams over the years so yeah the the only one was probably the giants they sort of said look it'd be one or two years playing and then moving into coaching so that was probably the only one that i gave a bit of thought to and then Mm. i think two weeks later i did my knee (laughs) and they pulled there was no more talk no more (laughs) no more talk from the giants no more talk from me so and in the end i'm you know very happy to be that one club player and and played out at the saints of course
0: you had some pretty obscure injuries really one being obviously the knee that was two thousand and six, was it? Yeah. You yep. Did your ACL in a game? Didn't know.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: How does that, how does that work?
1: Do you often? It that's, a a, that's a big one. flex to sort of go oh, up to someone else. that's done. Few an people said that, but like, you- I can't claim it because I didn't know. Like, it was a, it was really weird, mate. because like, it was funny. We we I think we beat the bulldog, uh, beat kangaroos, and I hadn't played all that well, and I, I felt something. And at halftime, I was like, "Oh, Doc, so I don't think my knee feels great. Mm. I can't remember a specific incident." And then got through the game. And then that night, I still remember it because Mum was staying down from Sydney. And it got to about midnight. I'm like, nah, something's wrong here," because the knee just sort of blew up, and it was, you know, it's hot, swelling, and all that. And so we're like, "I'll oh, we'll get a scan the next day and get the scan. Go back to the club. And you know, when you you walk in and like they can't look you in the you eye. Know, yeah. You know, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, this isn't good." And then they said, yeah, mate, you've somehow you've ruptured your ACL. Um, it's gone all the way through. There's no damage to your medial or anything else. And we sort of went back through looking for a specific incident. There was one where I sort of tackled someone, got slung, and my legs hit someone. They're thinking it could have been that. Uh, but, yeah, in for, in for surgery and, and then, um, yeah, that was that.
0: That's unbelievable. The other one probably a lot more serious was the heart surgery. Yeah. In 2012. Like, what happened there?
1: Yeah. Well, that was like, mate, it's, yeah, it's funny. So I'd, I'd, I'd actually, I actually did the other ACL in 11, 2011. And I'd, so I'd done the whole rehab leading into 2012. And then, like, clubs do routine ECGs. You would have, yep. you would have had them done. Um, and they were pretty standard. And then like I, I did one in that pre-season and then again, <laughs> the docs come over, mate, might, have, might need to have a chat, like, and so I go in there. and I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I'm, I'm ready, like knees good, ready to go. Like, oh, there's something like irregular with your heart. So you're just gonna have to have some follow-up tests. So they go, don't stress, like elite athletes, quite, it's pretty common. So I did a few follow up tests, and they sort of get you on the stress cardio. They put some ink into your blood to see with the blood flow and things like that. And they worked out that I had had a hole in my heart that was probably the size of a fifty cent piece. Fuck. And the thing that was hard for me is that it was in a, an awkward spot because I don't know, I don't know how they do it, but some usually they can go in through your hip and it's like a non invasive surgery and they can somehow fix it up. But because mine was in a weird spot, they had to do the the open heart. So. I was um, lucky in a sense that it wasn't required straight away. Mm. But at the end of the season, I was sort of booked in straight away and, and got it done.
0: How lucky. like, oh, we, as, you know, we had a guy a few weeks ago, Hugo Tooby, who's a great guy. He's had some health yeah. things go through. But that was the one thing I realized when I left footy, how lucky elite sportsmen are to get tested oh. on shit that you wouldn't go to the doctor for if, if you're a male. But that's why it's so important for us to get this stuff done. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. Hundred percent, and I saw I saw a few clips of of um, that interview, mm. and yeah, what what an, what an amazing crazy story, crazy Yeah, it's you, we are especially as elite athletes, the the docs and you know, physios and dental and all that sort of stuff. No, dude, we do get very well looked after, and it it is a little reminder, really, because like we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, and, and my situation probably wouldn't have got to a heart attack as such, but they they did if it was left uh, like undetected. That you could the irregular heartbeat can then sort of take years off your life towards the back end. Yeah. So it's probably a little reminder for everyone: like get tested for for everything, get your bloods done, get that health check done yeah. as regularly as you can.
0: Definitely, and especially here we've got the Danny Frawley Centre as well for everything. Um, anyone around the area they need to head down. It's bloody incredible. We came out last year. We're lucky enough to have a look at, it's which is, cool, is going incredible. So um, yeah, check it out if you're around the Morawa area, fam. Um, mate. Lastly, I know you're a busy man. I was want to just talk to you about leadership and coaching. How did you probably describe your leadership style as a, as a player? And then my sort of favorite thing, I suppose, is like when I was a player, I always used to go like, fuck, if I was a coach, I'd never do that. Like, you know, when I think about what coaches were doing. Yeah. But now that I'm out of the game, I'm like, oh no, I think that was actually probably right in some senses. So yeah. what's what were you like um, maybe as a leader, as a player, what was your A1, what did you love doing? And then as a coach now, what's sort of changed from that yeah. um, perception?
1: Yeah, I think as a player, like my leadership style was, I was probably more through actions and, you know, my probably uh, personality in a way, I'm, you know, probably more of a deep thinker, would sit back a little bit, assess the situation. Um, and and we were really lucky at this club with guys like Nick Rewalt, you know, Brendan Goddard, who were probably a different style leader. And so we had a really good mix um so that was probably as a player and then and then as a coach yeah it's funny like you do tend to take away and and probably more people have asked me you know who is your who is your best assistant coach and it it was a question that's like well it it wasn't necessarily the guy that was like the sharpest footy brain but it was was sometimes just the guy that was interested in you and Mm. quite often would ask you about your stuff away from footy before you got to your footy stuff so I think that's really important. I think if you, if you don't have that relationship um, with someone and you don't show genuine sort of care and interest, it's very hard to then, you know. So I, I think that's probably a bit bit of my style as a coach, to try and build that rapport, that relationship, but then also be strong, you know, when it needs to be.
0: Mm. What's Ross like like now versus when you're – is he similar? Like we hear so much about him like in the media and past plays and stuff, yep. but is he – what have you seen since his comeback this year?
1: Yeah, mate, he's been awesome. It's um, yeah, he's he he's so good. He's and talking to halves is you know who is who's coached under him before. I only ever played under him, so but sitting in some of his meetings, it's bringing a lot back, you know, in the way that <laughs> um, he talks in his mannerisms and uh, I, yeah, I just think he he's he's a brilliant leader. He he obviously he knows the game so well, very sharp in that sense, but um, he's a great motivator as well and he knows um you know he's big on that the psychology of the team he's big on teamsmanship um he, it's a high accountability model but it's a high care and support model as well so um i think we're going to see a lot of guys you know playing their best footy under him
0: oh, that's exciting awesome len can't thank you enough for your time Thanks, mate. No, mate. it's been huge i appreciate it i'm happy you made me work for it i feel like <laughs> it was a good it was a good uh, long period but no in all seriousness mate, I, uh, yeah loved um having you on massive uh respect for everything you've done man i really appreciate it thanks, You're honestly one of my favorites of all time so thank you for this db 43 that's thank it mate. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that
1: was a sticker that uh, never good got, look yeah. good luck for the impending birth too mate. thank
0: you mate no i appreciate it I might have to get some advice from you on that too
1: just play a lot of golf and get sleep yeah
0: well the golf and the sleep they're definitely not happening at the moment <laughs> which is which is unfortunate but um good things to come good thank you cheers. cheers thanks for listening to another producey podcast If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in, IllyXX. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play.